Welcome to Spreading the Good Stuff, a podcast for regional women who want to thrive in their work, wellness, family and community. We share stories of triumph, challenge, growth and change in business and in life and offer helpful insights and advice to empower you to live your best life, however that looks for you. Hello and welcome back to episode 9 of Spreading the Good Stuff. This week we bring you something a little bit different again, which is one of our live recordings um, from the Spreading the Good Stuff live series. We thought it was a good opportunity to bring you another live recording because this one is with Samantha Ferrier, who is a passionate environmentalist, sustainability advocate and a change agent and she firmly believes in the benefits of living a slow and wholehearted life, which fits in perfectly with our last two episodes. So this event, as you might remember, is a, it's a live event series that the girls, Christy and Leone, started here in Echukamoama. And it's all about shining a light on extraordinary individuals in our local community. It's a Q&A event, which is awesome, and I highly recommend getting along to it if you're in the local area. And we really hope you enjoy this episode. Samantha Ferrier is fabulous, uh, and this is a lovely conversation with Leone. Uh, it is recorded in front of a live audience, so just bear in mind that the background noise might be there and it might not be quite as good quality as you've had in the past, but bear with us. We hope you really enjoy it, and we look forward to bringing you uh, another episode after this one, episode 10. Can't believe we've made it to 10 episodes. Enjoy this lovely chat with Leody and Sam, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Welcome everyone to the fifth episode of our Spreading the Good Stuff live conversation series. I know that many of you in the room have been with us uh, at some of our earlier episodes and many thanks for joining us again. And for those first timers that are with us, welcome along. We really hope that you enjoy the event um, and in particular the conversation that we'll be having this evening. In tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about slow living. Um, what that means, what it looks like, and how I guess it's even possible in this modern world that we're living in. It's so fast-paced. Um, it is. We are so connected all the time, and we're really going to be digging deep into to what slow living means and what it looks like. I think as a collective, we are really overcommitted. We are overworked and of, often overstressed as well. Um, and I think too often we use the term busy or um, we, yeah, we, we use that word busy as a bit of a badge of honour. Um, but I think there's also a real, a, a growing movement, not just around the world, but here in our community we're seeing it, of people who are saying no to that frantic pace of life and are making a really conscious choice to try and bring more slow into their life, um, to simplify things, to say no more often, and really to um, just start focusing what's most important in life. I think that's really starting to happen and it's really exciting. I know that Christy and I are among those people and I, looking around the room, I know many of you are as well. And certainly Sam sitting on the couch here with me this evening is one of those people. And if you haven't um, had the pleasure yet of meeting Sam, I know many people here do already know Sam Ferrier, but if you haven't, among many, many things, Sam is a passionate environmentalist, she is a sustainability advocate, she's a change agent, and she really firmly believes in the benefits of living a slow and wholehearted life. Sam wants to ensure that the planet we're borrowing from our grandchildren is thriving and it is sustainable. 
And she believes that by choosing slow, we can not only help our earth, but we can also improve our relationships and our experience of life in the process. So we're going to be exploring tonight um, all the different ways that we can bring more slow into our lives and how we can really opt out of this race um, toward hectic and busy and stress and to really start um, moving away from those kinds of words and that, that kind of life. Sam, before we delve into your own story, what does slow living mean to you? Thanks, Ernie. Um, so to me, slow living is it's about being intentional and it's about being conscious. So um, it's, it's the opposite of, of this fast-paced, mindless consumerism that um, is all too easy to fall into. And we, we all do it, I do it as well. So it's, a, it's being aware of when that is happening. Um, it's, it's mindfulness instead of mindlessness. Um, as I said, it's, it's being intentional with our, our words um, and our actions and our relationships with people. Um, yeah, yeah, I think um, you summarised it very well. And look, we'll probably dig into that as we go along anyway a little bit further, but perhaps before we do that we might just jump back a few steps um, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about your story with the audience, um, perhaps a bit about where you grew up, uh, what childhood was like, your schooling, uni, travel, all of that stuff. A little bit about who you are. Sure. Um, so I'm a local girl. I grew up here in Moama. Um, I went to the local um, Moama public school, did a couple of years of um, high school here and then went off to boarding school in Melbourne. I was very fortunate enough to have that experience and um, met a lot of wonderful friends there that I still have today, so I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, I, after finishing school, moved back to Moama for a, a gap year before I started uni. Um, did some work, did a little bit of travel, did some volunteer work in, um, in Kenya, and then uh, came back and moved back to Melbourne for my studies. So I did a um, Bachelor of Environments at Melbourne Uni um, and did a year at college um, as well um, and again had a, had a really great opportunity of um, being able to, to meet some wonderful friends that I still have today. Um, and then I did a, a Masters at RMIT in um, Environmental Management essentially. Uh, I. Uh, along the way, I guess I sort of realised or gradually started to find out what it, is, what it was that I was passionate about and what I, what I wanted to do. Um, and uni certainly helped solidify that for me. Um, and it was then that I started doing some more volunteer work and um, that gradually led into, into paid work, which um, led me back to my hometown of Moama. And so I'm really happy to be back here now and have been here um, for almost three years, I think, now. And so, talking about, obviously you're an environmentalist and you're really passionate about that kind of work, what was it that really sparked that, that deep love for you, do you think? Was it the studies or was it, had you sort of grown up with the environment being a big part of your life? I wouldn't say um, it was necessarily any more than any anyone else when I was growing up, but it, um, I guess it started to 
that I sparked an interest in the later years of high school. Um, I think there was one relatively defining moment which was um, when I was in, in Kenya and it was one of my first sort of um, early uh, independent overseas trips and I noticed the burning of rubbish on the roadsides and piles and piles of rubbish and plastic and I know this happens in a lot of, a lot of overseas um, countries but it really, really shocked me. Um, despite having having been in, in Asia before. Um, and so I think that sort of led me to think, uh, you know, this, this, this is not right, this can't be right, and found myself thinking, oh, but that's okay because we have waste management in Australia and that doesn't happen, um, so we're, we're not quite in that situation. And that's true, but also we, we consume so much more so whilst we do manage our waste a lot better, um, we're still we're still consuming at much uh, a much greater rate. So I think that sort of um, sparked something within me and, and sort of ignited that um, that passion, seeing it firsthand. Um, and I think following on from that, um, al alongside my studies and learning about it at, at university. Um, was the uh, volunteer work that I started doing for an organisation called Bottle for Bottle, mm -hmm. which is an Indonesian uh, non-for-profit or social enterprise, um, and it partners students in Australia with students in Indonesia, and it, um, uh, we delivered a, an educational, environmental educational um, program um, for, for both students in Indonesia and Australia, and there was a bottle exchange program where um, we would encourage uh, Australian students to sell stainless steel bottles that they had designed um, and for one for every sale um, in Australia one was donated to a student in Indonesia so um, it was a it was a program to not only connect and um, have that intercultural um, yeah. relationship but also to replace single-use plastic drink bottles um, for these students who, who can't turn on the tap and get a, gl a glass of clean water that they can drink, so they rely on, um, on buying uh, not necessarily plastic drink bottles but plastic aqua cups, they're called with a plastic lid and a plastic straw. And that's the norm, and they buy those from the canteen. So, um, so our work was around trying to um, encourage them to use reusable drink bottles and provide... Um, potable water at the canteen where they could fill those drink bottles. So, going over and seeing that, and um, and also the, um, I guess the the rubbish that would be washing up on the shores, not only from, um, not only from the Balinese and the Indonesian population, but also from from offshore as well. Um, so that um, again was that sort of first-hand experience at seeing something that I wanted to change. You, you can't unsee it. You can't unsee see it. it. Um, and you mentioned moving back here to Chukamoama. I've only known you for a, a few short months now, but um, you are such a, a beautifully intelligent woman and I imagine that you could have chosen anywhere in the world to settle down and to share your gifts and your talents. What was it that brought you back here? Um, my family. <laughs> um, my family, but also I... 
um, I found work in, in Shepparton and then subsequently work um, at the Camp Aspey Shire, which is my dream job, and I would move anywhere for that. So it was just really fortunate that it happened to be in my hometown. So, yeah, I'm really, really lucky. Um, a few years ago, your family uh, experienced a really heartbreaking tragedy with the loss of your brother Dan to suicide. If you feel comfortable to, um, can you talk us through that time in your life and also how slow living, if at all, supported you through that time and perhaps continues to support you through that really difficult and enormous loss? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, we, we lost Dan to suicide about two and a half years ago now and um, I don't know that I can say that I was, uh, I suppose the, the concept of slow living has only really um, come into my consciousness in, in the last couple of years really anyway. So um, whilst I might have been embracing certain parts of slow living before that um, and not necessarily calling it um, slow living or slow or mindfulness or anything like that. Um, so I, I don't know that I can make a direct connection with um, going through loss and um, and a grieving process um, with slow living, but it certainly um, it certainly helps in the sense that you know we spoke about um, being mindful and conscious and present, and I think um, the philosophies that are embraced by slow living. Um, it does help you get through um, moments like that, particularly when you do, when you do have such um, strong support networks. But um, I think what I can far more more greatly um, or better connect um, slow living and, and everything that comes with it um, with would be the um, arrival of. of the surprise arrival of um, Dan's daughter, so my now niece, um, very, very soon after um, he passed away. And we're very lucky to now have um, Louis in our lives as well as Louis' beautiful mother, Michaela, who's here tonight. So um, I think having, and, and a lot of you are mothers and you would, you would understand what, um, what children bring into your life. Um, I think that is probably Probably more, um, you know, Louis being a um, 18 month old, almost two year old now, um, gives you a completely different outlook on on life and actually um, opens up a whole new world of, um, you know, what it really means to be here and what it means to be a, a role model. Um, so I think. Um, and, and maybe I'm still learning to to make the connection yeah. between between that. But yeah, yeah. it's possibly something that you, as a result, you're turning to more and, and yeah. using it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when did you first? And like you said, this sort of label of slow living is probably a, a relatively new one. But a lot of people have been living that kind of lifestyle for a long time. When did you first come across? you know, the, the term slow living and what was it, do you think, that attracted you to it? Michaela actually said to me, Sam, you have to listen to this, um, this podcast, the Slow Mo podcast, you'd love it. Um, and I think that was actually when I um, 
you know, started. And I'd been listening to similar sorts of things. I love podcasts and I'm always listening to podcasts and reading similar types of books. But that was probably when I realised that, oh, there's actually a, a term for what this this way of living is. So there's actually a whole um, a whole bunch of people worldwide that are that are really practicing this, and um, you know, people are writing about it and. Um, there are books on it as well, and, and so it was probably, yeah, um, so only only roughly about a year ago. Yeah. And I, I suppose I should also say that um, I'm not I'm not an expert, and I'm not um, I'm not any better at or more knowledgeable or slow than any of you, um, uh, even even if you're perhaps relatively new to it as well. So um, I think uh, we're we're all on a journey. Um, and all at different stages of that journey. So um, there, there are uh, hopefully some insights I can share with you. But I wouldn't call myself a, um, you know, a, a slow expert or a, um, someone that is completely um, knowledgeable in the in the topic either. And I guess for for some people who come to it, it's often because they're living a very very different life to that, and they. Sometimes it's when people have a, a crash and a burn and they think, I need to find a different way of doing things. Um, but for you, it doesn't sound like it was like that. It's probably more that suddenly you heard a name for what you were already doing and embracing and what was important to you. So is that That's right. accurate? Yeah. Um, I think, like you just touched on, one of the really important things to mention when we are discussing this is that slow living there is no right way to do it for everybody it looks really really different and we all come at it for, for different reasons um, obviously it looks different because we all have different values and different priorities and it really doesn't matter where we sort of fit in along along that spectrum but um, I guess it's just important to put that out there but I guess um, how has that sort of process looked for you since you've you know become more and more inclined to live that kind of lifestyle so I, I suppose I could try and give you some um, examples. Um, so I suppose um, slow, slow living or examples of slow might be, and, and as, you've, as, you've, as you've said, this is really different for everyone. Um, but for me, it's um, taking the time to enjoy a cup of coffee in the sun in the morning. It's taking the time to notice the changing of the leaves in autumn um, and when they're falling and what they look like when they're falling. Um, it's sitting in front of a warm, cosy fire with your loved ones, just chatting. It's um, potentially it's meditating, potentially it's, it's practicing yoga. Um, it might be enjoying a glass of wine with your friends. Um, it is getting outside, being in nature, um, observing nature, um, doing things that you want to do, not um, because you think you should do them or you think you should be seen in places. Um, I have to admit I have a, a tendency to say yes a lot um, and that's something that I'm really trying to work on because it means that um, you, you try and please everybody and in doing so you, you can't always please yourself or do what you what is best for you so 
um, and it also leads to very um, full weekends sometimes which can take their toll so that's something that I'm trying to get better at is saying no for the benefit of me um, it is not necessarily um, it, it's not necessarily putting everything everything down drop everything you're doing and go and meditate for half an hour I don't believe that that's what um, what slow is it's it's the small things that you can do every day um, and that might not be um, a balance every day either um, it, it, it will look different to you um, every day. Um, I'm trying to think of, of some other um, examples, but we might, we yeah. might get there. And what about some of the benefits of, I guess, living a slower life? And it sounds like you've lived that kind of life for a long time anyway, but <coughs> perhaps compared to how you see in this modern world and how a lot of people are living, what do you see as some of the benefits for slow living as it applies to your work and at home, in relationships, um, also health. Do you see those kinds of benefits? I do, and I think, um, as, as we've touched on, I suppose I haven't necessarily come from a life of, of um, hectic, crazy burnout, um, but our lives do get busy. It's, it's inevitable that we will have a lot of things to do, sometimes, not all the time. Um, and so I think if we can just um, learn to learn to recognise when those those times are when there when there is a lot happening in your life, um, and and just accepting that that's okay, particularly if if that's what you want to do, if that's that's just the way that um, that life is panning out at the moment. But um, being aware of that and then being able to bring yourself back to um, times of, of more stillness and, and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. um, how has it helped me? I, um, I think it probably helps with, um, in, a, in a work sense, being, being more productive, but not in a way that is um, uh, <coughs> trying to think of a, of a way to explain it. Um, Realising that it's not always about um, maximum output and always being on and always being connected. So um, <coughs> quite often in the, in the slow conversation, um, technology and social media um, gets brought up. Mm. Um, and it's really easy, um, for, for me included, to become really consumed by your devices and your social media accounts and everything that everyone else is doing, whether you care about it or not. And, um, and some of you may, may share this, um, this tendency and some of you may not. Um, but slow has, um, I suppose, being, being aware of, of slow and, and reading what other people do, um, has really made me realise that, gee, we waste so much time on uh, devices and, and being connected and um, we can gain a lot of time by simply removing ourselves from from those devices and so for example I take social media breaks um, at the moment I don't have um, Facebook and Instagram on my phone I have it on my laptop so it's a conscious decision okay I'm going to go and check my Facebook 
um, spend 10 minutes, mm -hmm. 15 minutes on there, and and then removing myself from it. So, and that's not all the time. I'll, I'll that will change, and I'll yep. go back, and then I'll try mm -hmm. something else. Um, so I think that's um, that's one that we we sort of um, can make a, a a really significant change in our lives. Um, and, and it's, it's also not to say that um, technology or social media is bad, it's mm. not. Um, it's, it's just how we use it and, and, um, and I suppose being, being mindful of when we are on it or are we just um, you know, looking at other people's accounts because we're procrastinating or we're bored or, um, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's really not, um, not valuable time spent. So, um, but, you know, we also don't need to beat ourselves up about mm. that either. Do you think maybe it's fair to say because of social media and the way that it has infiltrated our lives so greatly that perhaps that's part of the reason why this movement is perhaps gaining momentum at the moment and it is becoming a, a bit of a, a popular way of living or to aspire to because people are addicted and not, I mean if they could get off their devices they would but they're actually addicted so they are really looking for something and some way to get off it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree, and it's quite ironic, isn't it, that we um, a lot of the ways that we um, talk about slow and um, and mindfulness and disconnecting is through um, through social media and through the internet, um, which I suppose again comes back to it, it is still a good thing if you use it as a tool, um, but not if you're using it as as an escape. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. We are we are entirely addicted. Yeah. Um, so, I, speaking personally, I absolutely love everything about the concept of slow living, and it's something that I aspire to. It's a way of life that I feel like I know I'm never going to get there. It's not a destination. It's a place, and it's a, a choice in every moment and every decision you make. Um, but it is a way of life that I really aspire to, but I will put my hand up and admit, I'll be the first person to admit that more often than not, my life doesn't look slow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're laughing at me because you know me or you can relate to the same thing in your own life, but um, how do you reconcile that? Because I love it and I, I just love everything about slow, but I so often am not. Um, so how do you, is it like that for you at times? How do you, how do you manage it? Or is it more about just building pockets of slow into your life? And you know, if you're the kind of person that wants to live a really full and purpose-driven life, um, can you still do that and be slow? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, no, you, you, you said that really well, so, um, Yes, I think it is about, and I, I experience the exact um, same sentiment as you. I um, certainly uh, don't lead this completely balanced, slow, um, zen life um, as as much as we'd, we'd all all like that. But um, like I said before, things things happen that are that are out of our control, and sometimes they're great things. Um, so I think yes, it is about building pockets of slow into our life um, and those pockets of slow might only take you five minutes in a day. Mm. It might be something that you're already doing 
such as hanging the washing on the line. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, and, and taking a moment to just really appreciate that moment. Mm. Um, you know, something that, that you already have to do and, and doing it intentionally and um, noticing. It's, it's about noticing mm. as well. So um, I guess it goes back to that idea of, um, of balance and um, it's, it's almost a little bit of a... Um, what's the word, con, you know, to think that we can have this perfect work-life balance mm. um, and, and to say that to be, to be whole and successful people that we have to have this work-life mm. balance and, and um, daily balance and that sort of thing. So um, I think that's setting us up for failure, isn't it? It is setting us up for failure because um, it's, it, it can be unrealistic sometimes. So... I think, um, and, and Brooke McCallery actually um, says this really well, and it's that um, balance is not about daily balance, it's, it's long term. So if you can look, look back from the last um, week, the last month, or the last <coughs> year, and feel that you're, um, you've led a, a balanced life, one that you, you really value and one that you um, intentionally chose, then that's balance. Yeah. So you, you might have a day where you know, your, your children are sick or um, you've got a, a looming deadline at work, um, so you're pouring yourself into, um, into meeting that deadline. Um, and uh, that, that, that might be a very different day to, um, to another day where you've got, you find yourself with a lot more time. Um, so yes, I would, I would agree with you. And, and, um, and say that it is, it's, it's small moments of, yeah. of slow as opposed to trying to, um, because what we don't want to do um, is create a new version of the new Joneses. So, you know, the new Joneses is, you know, we're all trying to keep up with them and um, slow living is really a, um, a reaction to that to say, stuff the Joneses, I don't want to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> Um, so what we what we need to be mindful of is that we're not creating a new um, set of Joneses that um, you know they have really nice pressed linen and um, they. Um, so who can be slower? Who can be slower? Yeah, yeah. Who can who can lead a seemingly more um, humble and mindful life that's not really real? So so we yeah we have to be realistic about it. So, um, None of us are none of us are perfect, and none of us are going to lead a balanced life every day. But I think if we can look back um, over our last little bit of existence and, and say, um, yes, I really I really chose a good mm. a good path for my year, and I'm I'm really really mm. pleased at that. Mm. And what are some of the other examples of ways that you build those? pockets of slow into life um, and, and has it changed? Are there things that you've done that have worked at a certain time for you and then perhaps you know as you've moved along and um, you know life has changed or different stages of life are there different things that you've brought in that have sort of helped you? What kind of tools do you use? Yes um, I think we're always learning learning new things and um, through speaking to other people, finding out what works for them and I suppose trialling for yourself. But for me, um, I suppose I've only recently started meditating before I go to bed. 
um, and uh, the, the Mindful in May, um, some of you may have participated in Mindful in May, but that was a really good way of um, helping me get into, uh, it's an app um, where they release meditations every day, so that was a, a good way for mm. me to start getting getting into that habit, um, not that you need an, an app or a, or, a, mm. or a tool to do something like that. Um, so I suppose that's been a more recent... Um, and I can actually attest to that because I've done it and meditate. I did it this in the month of May and meditation's been something that I've dabbled in and I love and I come and I go and then sometimes it feels like another job to add to my to-do list and then I get stressed about the fact that I'm not being busy and I, I, need, I don't use it when I need it. Anyway, I did that in May and it was amazing because it took away all these barriers of me thinking I needed a special corner to sit down and meditate and I needed a quiet house and I needed candles and I like all these things that I need I needed to do it in the morning or at, the, at night after that I just learned to just sit down wherever I am on the ground in whatever the kids running around crazy doing their thing and that that's okay that's still meditation it doesn't have to be sitting in a certain position and it's changed my life if anybody else has the same issues with it as I do give it a go and I've very much had that experience as well I I put off, um, I suppose, starting meditation for that reason because I thought, oh, I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I can't find a quiet space or I, I don't want to commit to that because, you know, I might not be able to do it all the time. Um, but yeah, it's it's just giving it a go, isn't it? And um, and that could be at your at your computer at work. It doesn't have to be um, in a, in a room by yourself anyway. Um, yeah. And it doesn't even have to be with your eyes closed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, any other slow rituals? So meditation's a newer one. Any other um, rituals that are, are helping or that you... It might be that you do every day, but that perhaps at different stages that you apply? I suppose, and I'm, I'm not sure... Um, there's, there's a lot of linkages with, um, with I suppose, minimising waste and... Um, and living, living slow, and that's because we are being more mindful of um, what we're consuming and what we're purchasing, and um, the the life cycle of the products that we're using, where, where they're coming from, um, and and how we dispose of them, and yeah, therefore our ecological footprint, I suppose. So, um, for longer than I've been aware of. Um, of slow living, I suppose, I've, I've probably begun from a um, more of a platform of, of mm. trying to minimise waste and minimise my impact on the environment, um, because that's ultimately, I guess, what, what sort of sparked this whole journey. Um, and so I, um, and you know, perhaps we'll, we'll speak more of this later, but um, I have a lot of little, I don't know if you'd call them rituals, but perhaps now habits, mm -hmm. um, and and a lot of you would be the same, but just always having a reusable bag in my in my handbag so I'm never caught out at the supermarket, um, always carrying my reusable drink bottle with me so that I'm never caught without a drink of water. Um, and I, yeah, so lots of, um, lots of ways that I, um, really try to eliminate single-use plastic from my life and um, it, it might be uh, perhaps a, a bit of a longer bow to draw um, to relate that to, to slow living but I certainly see um, 
a lot of a lot of crossover. Mm. As, as oh, a, absolutely, yeah. and I, that was probably the next question I wanted to ask. Anyway, I think that the, this idea of slow living just ties in so beautifully with the work that you do at the Shire as the um, environmental education. projects officer, education, yeah. uh, and also the work that you do in the community with the plastic bag free and the boomerang bags. I think it all just fits so so beautifully. Um, perhaps do you want to talk a little bit about? those projects or even your work at the Shire um, and you know perhaps what that role actually entails I'm sure a lot of people don't know what that's about sure so as I said I'm, I'm the luckiest person in town because I have the job that I have <laughs> um, and so I'm the environmental education officer at um, Camp Aspie Shire um, and that involves delivering a waste and environment behaviour change program um, so working with um, the community, working with businesses, industry, community, uh, community groups and schools, um, as well as internal staff. And it's, um, it's called Wicked, so Waste in Camp Aspie, No Educate Do. And um, it's, it is, it, whilst it is um, sustainability in general, it's, hev in, it's heavily waste focused. Um, so I've, I've come to really love the whole um, waste minimisation, you'll see the, um, the waste hierarchy on your chairs. Um, so if, I suppose everything I, I do in terms of delivering programs um, is based around that waste hierarchy, which is um, prioritising waste avoidance above anything else. And um, you'll notice that, that at the bottom is recycling, um, whilst recycling is still very important. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so really trying to, and I guess that's where um, uh, plastic bag free comes in, um, because that is a perfect example of avoiding waste in the first place, which is the best thing you can do in terms of, um, in terms of, yeah, um, waste avoidance. And where's that at at the moment? The actual project itself, plastic bag free. What what kind of work are you doing, and who are you talking to? You know, where do you start? Uh, so we started um, with really trying to advocate for a statewide ban mm. on plastic bags, and now that has um, that has happened. Mm. So um, we the ban hasn't come in, but the Victorian gov government has um, committed to um, to changing the legislation to ban single-use plastic bags. So that was a big win. Mm. Um, not that we were responsible for it, but climate. <laughs> um, yeah, it's certainly. Um, it certainly was a, a really good step in the right direction. Mm. Um, as a group, though, we um, we probably don't meet as much as what we we originally did. Um, we're just a bunch of volunteers, um, and you know, a few of us are here tonight. Um, so we host community events. It's mm -hmm. it's um, I guess primarily still in the stage of um, education and awareness because. Um, although it's, it's come such a long way in the last couple of years already, um, I feel like when, when we first started we were trying to um, educate people about why plastic bags were, um, were bad mm. and why we should be switching to alternatives, whereas now I feel that with um, everything that's happened recently, particularly with um, the war on waste, mm. I've got to say that really helped the ABC series, um, people do now understand that um, we as humans need to, to make a switch away from single-use plastic. So uh, that's really helped um, mm -hmm. our um, 
direction, I suppose. And, um, and can I just jump in there, talking about plastic? Why is it the devil? <laughs> I mean, I think we all know we need to stop using it and make changes, but why is it? Why is it so bad? Um, so, plastic is actually a really um, clever product. It's um, it's cheap. It's durable. It's waterproof. Um, and it's that's that's probably about it. <laughs> um, so that's that's why you can you can understand the um, proliferation of the production of plastic in more recent years because it is so cheap and it's cheaper than um, uh, you know the, what came before it, I suppose. Um, so I suppose that's that's why it's it's so. Um, so popular and we see so much of it um, but it's also made of fossil fuels it's made from a non-renewable resource so essentially oil um, it doesn't break down so it <coughs> essentially lasts forever um, instead it breaks down into smaller and smaller pieces um, eventually um, resembling uh, tiny pieces of plastic called microplastic um, those little pieces of plastic um, get into the environment and as do plastic bags and other types of plastic before they have um, broken up into these tiny little pieces. Um, uh, they are litter, they're an eyesore, they cause entanglement um, for um, native species as well as, as well as other species, so on land and in water. Um, they uh, clog drainways and um, stormwater pipes. Um, and I think what most of us are probably familiar with is the impact they have on um, on the marine um, environment and, um, and the uh, marine animals that that occupy the ocean. Um, so you've probably you're all probably quite familiar with the with the photos of um, of the seahorse and the stork and the turtle, um, which are just devastating. And so it's only now that. Um, you know, thanks to these um, wonderful divers and um, filmmakers, that um, that we are beginning to see the impacts of of plastic um, and uh, really how how addicted we are to it as well. Mm. So, in your honest opinion and with your background, what how do you think we are currently tracking in terms of the way that we're looking after the environment? Is it all doom and gloom or you know what do you think uh, I'm probably an optimist um, so it's it's really quite easy to get um, caught up in the doom and gloom because it is pretty shocking mm. I mean um, for example we we know that if we continue um, going the way that we're going and this is not answering your question this is adding to the doom and gloom um, <laughs> If we don't change our practices, there's going to be more plastic in the ocean than there are fish by 2050. Um, so you hear statistics like that, and you think, you know, we are doomed. But um, but I don't think we are because there's a lot of smart people out there, and there's a lot of um, active communities out there. So I suppose if we're just speaking. Um, Australia-wide, we've already seen some really fantastic changes come about. So the plastic bag bans um, were, uh, have been really significant. New South Wales are the only state 
not to have announced a plastic bag ban, but I'm sure that will come because they look pretty silly at the moment. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a, a whole range of um, changes in legislation as well. It's um, only been recent that uh, supermarkets in Australia, so Coles and Woolworths, have um, gone ahead of the government and announced that they will be banning not only single-use plastic bags, but also um, reducing their packaging on their fresh fruit and vegetables, mm. banning straws, mm. sale of straws, and reducing food waste. So, um, do you think that's a genuine thing? I, I, I know when hearing about the straws last week or in the last couple of weeks, there were people out in the community saying, well, that's just a marketing ploy. I mean, what, what, how do you feel about that? Look, it'll be interesting to see what comes of it. Yeah. Um, it, it is potentially just a, um, a marketing ploy, but I, I think that um, maybe, does so it, many maybe, people maybe are watching. <laughs> so many people are watching now. Consumers are saying um, uh, what they want, and they're saying what they don't want. And mm. I think if um, if they were to backtrack on that, mm. although they could have um, done a little bit of a play on words there, so that they mm. can backtrack, but. Um, I think it is, it is a big step forward, but but bigger than that is um, is probably the the work that's come out of um, community groups and and local communities, and uh, that's that's really strong, especially here in Victoria, um, and that's why so many boomerang bags um, communities have have popped up, and why there's such a strong representation of those communities in Victoria, because um, <clears throat> there's so many community members that say, well. If the government's not going to do anything about it, and if the corporations aren't going to do anything about it, well, we can do something about it. And whether that's um, eliminating plastic bags in their town, or um, you know, getting getting restaurants to stop serving straws, or creating a um, a food salvage program um, to reduce food waste. So <coughs> I think certainly it 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 is happening on on multi-levels mm. um, and it's only, I, I just feel really good about it because the last, um, probably the last year it's just mm. become really mainstream and mm. I, I feel like up until now I've almost been harping on about something that people, some people cared about and some people didn't care about and now it's, it's really um, at the forefront particularly mm. of, of the media so it's a lot easier to um, to engage people, and I, I would say that that is a really positive, yeah. positive thing. Uh, do you think we're through the education and awareness stage? I, I guess that's such a, an important part of it is teaching people, but maybe we're moving more into that stage of giving people an alternative because it's all well and good to give them the information and tell people that this is bad and we shouldn't be doing it, but unless there's an alternative like your boomerang bags it can sometimes be all too hard. Do you think we're perhaps moving into that stage now? I think, um, you mean for our community in yeah, particular? Yeah, maybe or definitely here, but maybe elsewhere as well. Yes, um, yes. I think um, we certainly are moving into, into that more action-based um, stage, but uh, that doesn't mean that um, we, we stop with the education mm. because there's, I mean, we're all learning new things every day um, and there's, uh, you know, you, you learn, for example, that um, BPA, bisphenol A, which is a common um, 
ingredient of plastic is, is a bad thing and then that, that gets banned somewhere in the, uh, which you think is a win and then it gets replaced by something else which is just as bad. So um, I suppose at, a, at some level we're probably um, at that stage where it's, um, it's more about behaviour change as opposed to mm. education but there's still so many, it's a really com complex mm. at, at times, it's, it's quite complex and we're still learning about new um, things that are um, you know, potentially harmful to the environment mm. like microbeads for example um, mm. has only been a relatively new um, ingredient and therefore we've mm. only really realise that it's that it's that they are very harmful to the environment. Mm. So um, there's still that need for education and even research and um, you know people going out and collecting data and mm. um, so but uh, yeah so I suppose it depends on yeah. on what part of the issue we're, we're talking about. And what about some practical tips for people in the audience and look there's probably lots of people here that are already you know, well along the way in, in reducing their environmental footprint, but where's a good place to start for those that maybe you know, are wanting to, but just it all seems way too big? Um, what's some really practical tips and a good place for people to start? Well, this is really timely because next month is Plastic Free July. So um, I would suggest if, um, if you are wanting to make even the smallest change um, to jump onto the Plastic Free July website, um, which will equip you with a whole range of um, tips and tricks. Um, and it's essentially a you register or pledge to um, participate in a challenge. And you can um, undertake the challenge for the month of July or a week or a day or whatever suits you. Um, and you can choose to eliminate one single-use plastic item, um, the, the major four, um, top four plastic items, which are plastic drink bottles, takeaway coffee cups, plastic bags and plastic drinking straws. Or you can do all plastic all together. So um, it's a really, uh, it's a fun challenge and it's not about failing, you can't fail. Um, you can only um, learn and improve and um, like I said, there's some really good tips and tricks on the website um, for doing that um, or for you know, recommending alternatives, I suppose, to what we might be used to using that, um, that are single-use items. Um, so that's... Um, a good one in terms of trying to reduce your plastic footprint. Um, I am a big advocate for composting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you're um, not already composting, that you can actually make a, a huge difference just by diverting your food scraps from from landfill. How do you avoid the maggots? Well, if you're composting correctly, <laughs> hopefully you, you don't have maggots. Although. Um, I did, I did see a, a friend's compost bin, and Jenny, you, you might have, have comments on this, um, a friend's compost bin, which was one of the tumbler ones, was, was filled with maggots, and we thought, well, why is that? Mm. And we looked it up, and they said, oh, no, that's fine, so long as they're this type of, of maggot. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really sure. <laughs> what have we got at work? <laughs> I don't have any bad. maggots at work. I've got mice at work. We've got mice, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's a really, really simple um, way of, um, of diverting from landfill and, and 
and the reason for that is um, is completely different to plastic because food scraps, um, it, you know, they're organic matter, and so when they're in landfill, they start to break down. They create methane, which is worse than carbon dioxide, um, 25 times worse than carbon dioxide, and they also create leachate. So if you can remove that from from the landfill um, and actually put it back into the system, which is putting it back into the earth. Um, that's not only better for the environment, but you're also um, recovering a resource. Um, you know, food scraps and garden scraps, or um, garden organics are, are a resource and we're, we're burying them in a hole. <laughs> so I suppose, yeah, those would be yeah. two, two main things, um, yeah. Um, obviously in the room and with the audience we have tonight, we're all probably on the same page and all fairly like-minded on this sort of issue, but if we look realistically at things in this modern era that we are living in, it's a real um, consumerism-based society, it's all about fast food and fast fashion and that sort of buy and throw away mentality. How do you, working and living and breathing in this space, how do you remain positive when it seems like I know we're talking about all the positives, but it seems like we are still, as a society, doing so poorly in so many areas. Um, I guess it's similar to the, you know, to the doom and gloom, and, and mm. being able to to see all the all the good things that are happening. But it, I, I, do, I do get frustrated mm. at. Um, I don't know if frustrated is the right word, but it, it saddens me sometimes that mm. we do have that um, mentality of. Um, you know, I'm getting a bargain because I only spent five dollars mm. on this T-shirt, but in fact, that that T-shirt was made by someone that was paid unfairly in Bangladesh, mm. working in very poor conditions, um, made out of unsustainable cotton, um, and you know, this is just one example using fashion. Mm. Um, and so, it's it's a it's a shift in mentality, I suppose, mm. away from. What you've already described, which is fast, cheap, quick, mm. um, you know, up, up to date, yeah. um, and who's who's telling us that that's mm. that's the way that we should be consuming and mm. um, and uh, the value that we should be placing on that? Mm. So um, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> yeah, but I guess I mean, what you're saying is that I mean you do try and still have a really positive view on it all it's like you're not you know tapping on people's shoulders when they're out there how do you manage it are you right. do you kind of just let people go and take a deep breath and continue on doing the good work that you're doing or do you sometimes want to just say mm, love sometimes but um i i don't like nor do people like me um telling them what to do so um it's not about being right or wrong mm. or better or worse or faster or slower um, I think I try as best I can to lead by example um, uh, <laughs> one example of that is um, uh, and Jenny you'll understand this but um, I have slowly converted um, my little office um, of, of staff um, to using keep cups when they when they buy their coffee, not by telling them that they should, because disposable coffee cups are, um, are disposable and you know end up in landfill and, and that sort of thing. But just just by 
by doing it myself and, and perhaps sometimes making subtle hints along the way, but, but never actually telling people or shaming people um, because we are all at different, different stages and we're, you know, we're all at different levels of awareness. So um, I do try as best I can not to point the finger and, and um, point the blame but to try and lead by example, and, and no, I'm not, not perfect at that either. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I suppose, yes, focus on, on all of those good things that are happening and the changes that are, yeah. um, that, that we are achieving, yeah. yeah. And so even, um, you know, the, the global statistics and national t- statistics can be quite shocking mm. as well, but, um, but all we have to do is look in our own backyard and mm. see the changes that are being made and I suppose in, in the nature of this evening it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It is real, yeah. gradual, generational mm. change. Yeah. It's slow. And those little one percenters are still worth it. That all yes. those small steps that we take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're probably running pretty close to time, I think. But before we wrap up, I just wanted to touch on um, what I mentioned earlier when we started out, this working group that Christy and I are fortunate to be working with Salmon at the moment, looking at the merits of um, having a Chukamoama accredited as a slow city. Um, I'm going to ask you about that in a moment, but I'll, I'll give a little bit of a background. Um, for those who do follow our blog regularly, you'll know that We've been looking at this for a little while and, and just wondering whether it might be something that um, Echuca could sort of fit in, into that box. So Australia currently has three official slow cities. There's one in Katoomba, uh, or Katoomba is one in New South Wales, um, Yay in Victoria and Goolwa in South Australia. And so we're just looking at the moment in the very early stages as to whether Echuca might be, be able to become the fourth. So slow cities have their origins in the Chittislow movement, which mean slow cities and it started in Italy back in 1986. Um, The slow city label and lifestyle is not about opposing technology and progress, it's not about anything like that, it's really just about celebrating all the unique characteristics of our town um, and really valuing the things that make our town special. Uh, It's about preserving local traditions and working together to plan for a sustainable future. Um, so slow towns are where traditions and conventional <coughs> ways of doing things are valued and where people choose consciously to embrace a more mindful and connected way of life. So we've started this small working group, it's in the very early stages. We met with the Chittislow Australasian um, reps last week, they came to Echuca and met with us um, and now we're just sort of planning the way forward and Sam I just wanted to ask you what you think sort of as a result of that meeting, what, what it could mean um, and perhaps look like for us here at Echuca Moama. Um, I think we all um, got the feeling that um, the Chisla representatives um, were very impressed already with Echukamoama and the um, feeling of the town and, and the different things that we were already doing. Um, and so that made me feel quite proud. Mm. Um, I think what it, what it would mean for us is um, essentially embracing everything that we've been speaking about tonight. Um, particularly because there are already so many wonderful local people um, doing fantastic things, whether it's whether it's events, whether it's um, clubs and workshops and groups, um, campaigns. Um, and I think if we were to go down the path of getting Chittislow accredited, 
it would be a matter of connecting all of those wonderful things that, that are already happening um, uh, and um, where we do see there are gaps um, because it is an accreditation process so there, there are criteria that we have to meet um, but the way in which we meet that criteria is, is completely up to us and I feel like we do have or we would have um, quite a bit of freedom in, in how we address those things um, and um, I'm also confident in that we've got the support of um, the Mayor and the Council as well as um, Murray River Council so um, the representatives also stressed that that was really important to have that, that support um, because a lot of the um, projects I suppose or um, um, criteria are, are you know will need to be driven by council um, so I think we are the perfect community to um, to go down this path and I don't see it as something that will um, will happen quickly at all um, so it'll be a really nice journey if yeah. If we do decide to go to go down this path, and I think there's a lot of um, really already talented and inspiring, wonderful people um, in this community, and and um, all of you here tonight as well. I can I can tell, and I can feel it, and I also know it. Um, we have so much to contribute, and um, whether that's things that we are already doing or things that we can do to. Um, to fulfil that, um, that journey. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and just on that, if anyone is interested in sort of learning more about it or just maybe following how that pro process goes uh, with the working group, then we'd love to have your support. It's going to be really important to let both sides um, of the river in terms of shires know that we do have community yeah. support for it. Um, so I think, Christy, you've got some little sheets if, if anyone is interested in even just signing it to say yep I think it's a great idea um, that will really help us sort of push things along so we'll pass those around when we finish up. Um, we will ask for some questions from the floor but perhaps just a last question if you have any uh, tips or whether it's a you know favourite books or websites or podcasts um, for people who are looking at exploring this idea of slow living more, or not necessarily just slow living, but even the recycling and the sustainability, is there any you know, go-tos for you that you could recommend for people to check out? Yeah, so you've already mentioned my main go-to, which would be <coughs> Brooke McCallery, her podcast, Slow Home podcast, and <coughs> Book Slow. Um, I think that would be a fantastic place to start. Um, I... Um, also, I didn't mention at the start, but I, I probably um, was introduced to before um, before slow is is something called huga, which is um, some of you may have heard of it. It's spelled H Y W G E, and it's a Danish um, way of living. And there are actually a lot of books um, about this as well. And whilst it's not the same as slow because it has a bit more of an emphasis on aesthetics and design and being inside and cosy. Um, I see there's a lot of um, a lot of overlap with um, that real, um, you know, appreciating life's simple pleasures and, and creating um, meaningful days and spending time with loved ones and, and being really intentional. 
Um, so that's, I suppose, where I um, where I first started. I've actually brought a book here with me if anyone's interested in, in borrowing it. Um, so I, I would I would recommend looking into Huga as well. Um, the the minimalists are, are very good if if people are interested in um, de-owning, decluttering, trying to um, live a life of less, so a more fulfilled life with less stuff. Um, so the mini- the minimalists um, is a documentary. It's also a podcast. And uh, do they have a book? Maybe not sure. Um, they probably do. Um, there are a whole lot of um, zero waste experts and advocates out there. Um, a local one or a Melbourne one is Erin Rhodes. She goes by the name of the Road Ginger. She has a blog and Facebook and that sort of thing. Um, uh, B Johnson is another one. What about some of those documentaries? The, the War on Waste and some of the others? Oh, the War on Waste, if, um, uh, I suppose moving a little bit away from slow, but if you're interested in... Um, it's a <coughs> fascinating um, documentary series or TV series that the ABC did on waste mm-hmm. going from you know plastic to food waste to um, all, sorts of, all sorts of things and, and highly relevant as well. So that's, you can watch all of that on ABC iView. Um, yep. And it's also coming back to air um, at the end of July as well, so you can keep an eye out on the ABC for that. Yep. Um, I think, yeah, that would be... Yep. Beautiful. Thanks. That would be it. I just want to thank Sam, first and foremost, for her for, for very profound, softly spoken words. <laughs> no, that's not real hanging off them. And, um, and I think we can't underestimate, you know, the vulnerability to sit up here and um, talk about your passion, but also talk about yourself and, and your life. So thank you so much, Sam. And thank you to, to, to Leone for her questions as well. So it's, it's a job that we love to do. It is part of our work, but we would never describe this as work at all. So we're very lucky. Um, thanks to Junction and Chelsea who helps us put this um, event together who's left for the night but we're very very lucky to have this platform to have these really fantastic conversations and in the past people who've come and there are a lot of you here tonight who've been to all of our events so we thank you so much for sticking with us Um, and over the journey people often say that they always leave with something that they can put into practice or think about and there aren't many things you get to go to these days where you kind of take and not not give, or it's not a two-way street. So we're really, really thankful for that. So thank you for continuing to support this event, and we hope that it will continue on. There's also, um, in regards to spreading the good stuff, we're a bit nervous of putting it out there, but we've got a podcast coming soon. So now that we've said that, we have to make it a reality. (laughs) And you guys might remember Katrina Myers, who was at our very first event. So the three of us are doing a podcast together. So... Watch that space. Now I'm really scared. (laughs) And I think that is um, everything. So thank you again, Sam. And please hang around and have a drink and have a chat with Sam. I've got some beautiful flowers here from Emily. Thank you. No plastic bag underneath. (laughs) You've been listening to Spreading the Good Stuff, the podcast. 
Remember, you can subscribe over at iTunes. We'd love you to leave us a rating. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the handle Spreading the Good Stuff. You can find all our show notes and previous episodes at our website, thesplendidword.com.au. Thanks for listening.